Hello, I'm Gavin Giovannoni, and I'm doing this MSLV podcast on the condition uh, called restless leg syndrome. Somebody dropped me an email uh, saying that they suffer from restless leg syndrome, which is preventing them from sleeping at night, and they wanted some help uh, in managing their condition. The particular individual had uh, secondary, has secondary progressive MS, and it's very difficult for me to be specific because there are a lot of what I call restless leg syndrome mimics that occur in people with multiple sclerosis. And often people are labeled as having restless leg syndrome when they have a, another condition that can be managed differently. So the top of the what I call restless leg syndrome uh, mimics is spasticity. This is usually in association with weakness in the lower limbs. And uh, this is typically treated with uh, antispastic agents. So what causes the limbs to be uncomfortable is the actual stiffness, and it's often associated with leg jerks from uh, clonus, uh, which happens uh, in people with quite a lot of spasticity in their limbs. And we treat this differently. We use baclofen, tizanidine. We also use gabapentin and pregabalin that can help in restless leg syndrome, and we often use benzodiazepines. I particularly use a lot of clonazepam. Other agents that may work are tetrahydrocannabidiol, THC, uh, and other CB1 agonists like nabilone, which I use off-label, uh, and, and some older clinicians still use dantrolene, which is a direct muscle relaxant. We tend not to use much dantrolene anymore because of its uh, association with liver toxicity. Um, the other thing that can mimic restless leg syndrome is actual pain. People often have to move their legs to relieve themselves um, of having pain, and this pain could be myelopathic from MS affecting the spinal cord, so it's a central pain syndrome. And again, if you've got pain, you need to have uh, drugs that work in the central nervous system to tackle pain. And the most common one I prescribe now is duloxetine. I used to use tricyclic antidepressants. I still use that because... Uh, duloxetine uh, is not that sedative, whereas tricyclic antidepressants often helps people sleep. I have written about uh, uh, tricyclic antidepressants, and they do affect cognition, so you need to be aware of that. But sometimes it's a balancing act. You can get away with low-dose tricyclics without too much uh, sedation. And again, the gabapentinoids, like gabapentin and pregabalin, also help with pain syndromes. THC, uh, with Sativex and Dronabinol, uh, and, uh, and other CB1 agonists like Nabilone also work, you know, and many people with uh, MS tell me that they use CBD oil or CBD, um, which helps. Now, I don't know about CBD. The, the problem I have is that we haven't researched it properly in MS. I mean, there is a theoretical reason why it may work, um, and we can't prescribe it. I mean, there is a licensed formulation of CBD for epilepsy, for very rare forms of epilepsy. It's very expensive, and we don't have free reign to prescribe it. Uh, so uh, I'm aware that a lot of my patients will buy CBD online or from various stores, and I don't recommend that because we know that those CBD oils are often contaminated, um, and we don't know what dose you're getting. <clears throat> and we do know that CBD can be hepatotoxic, so if you do start taking CBD, it's quite good to have liver function tests done before and then have them checked regularly to make sure you don't have hepatotoxicity. It's not that common, but it does occur. Um, the other thing is medicinal or street cannabis. Uh, uh, you probably know in, in the United Kingdom and many countries of the world, medicinal use of cannabis is legal. Uh, but the problem we have is despite the government in the UK making cannabis legal, we can't prescribe it in the NHS. Uh, so a lot of private clinics in the UK, which are both physical, where you go and attend in person or online, where you get uh, remote uh, consultations, uh, are available and, and you have to pay quite a large amount of money to get medicinal cannabis. 
I have little doubt that cannabis helps people with MS. Too many people use it. There's too many anecdotes. And we actually have very good evidence that when you use cannabis extracts like Sativex, it works for central pain and it also works for spasticity. Uh, and so when people with MS tell me that they uh, use medicinal cannabis, cannabis, either smoking it or taking it orally, um, you know, I can't tell them to stop doing that because they tell me that smoking medicinal cannabis, cannabis really helps them get a good night's sleep. You know, it relieves their pain, stops their limb jerks, and they feel a lot better for it in the morning. So who am I to say to them to stop using it? So I don't openly promote it, but if uh, people find that medicinal cannabis helps, you know, they can take it. <clears throat> it's got a long history and it's relatively safe, uh, you know, used medicinally. The other restless leg syndrome is cramps. Now, I mean, cramps should be very easy to identify in history. It's a completely different syndrome. You get muscle cramps, usually the calf muscles, and it's usually one focal muscle that cramps. Um, and it's actually quite common in the MS. A large number of people will complain about cramps. Uh, and uh, you need just to manage these yourself, to be honest with you, because they are a very common problem in the general population as well. So stretching the muscle when you get a cramp or even stretching before you go to bed can some, some help. I personally find if I'm dehydrated, uh, particularly if I've done exercise, I get muscle cramps. So please make sure you uh, drink a lot of water throughout the day. Make sure you're well hydrated. This is particularly relevant if you're exercising or living in, in hot conditions. Um, you know, underlying this is probably the need to maintain a good electrolyte balance. So sometimes um, you may have to have your UNE, your electrolytes checked. Uh, and, and the ones to watch for are potassium, calcium, and magnesium. Uh, and this is where, you know, diet uh, high in legumes, for example, gives you the calcium and magnesium, I mean, the potassium and magnesium you need. Uh, and I personally sometimes take magnesium supplements uh, if I get a lot of cramps because they help me. Um, if you do get a cramp, just massage the muscle. That usually relieves it. Uh, and try not to do sudden movements in bed because that can actually trigger a, a cramp. And the massaging should be in a circular motion rather than going across the cramp. Um, if the cramps are really severe and affecting your sleep, um, you can try over-the-counter analgesics. I mean, there are reports of ibuprofen and paracetamol working, uh, but sometimes you need to get a prescription, and we tend to use a trial of quinine. We can use some calcium channel blockers, and again, the gabapentinoids, that's pregabalin and gabapentin, also uh, help. And it's always worth uh, trying to hack, uh, trying your own hack, and try some magnesium supplements first. Uh, I mean, my leg cramps are exquisitely sensitive to magnesium supplements. The next uh, restless leg syndrome is what they call periodic nocturnal leg movements. You all know these. These are those rapid jerking movements that occur in your, your limbs, usually as you're falling asleep or waking up, but they can occur at any time, and they're actually labeled as a sleep disorder. Um, they're actually myoclonic in nature, um, and they can occur you know, very frequently and keep people awake at night. Now, what's very interesting is that people who have true restless leg syndrome also have periodic limb movements, and I think it's about four out of five of them will have periodic limb movements as well. So they they, they occur together, but they are separate conditions. Um, and they, 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 in general, respond to the same measures we use to treat restless leg syndrome. So the gabapentinoids, methadone, and dopamine agonists. Now, I'll point out straight away that we try, I try not to use dopamine agonists because they uh, cause augmentation. In other words, they worsen the condition over time. And if that fails, you can also move to you know, benzodiazepines. I use clonazepam, melatonin, 
uh, anticonvulsants, and there has been a report of selegiline. I personally, I have no personal experience of using melatonin or selegiline. I just know that there are reports of this helping with periodic leg movements of sleep. Now, those of you who have restless leg syndrome will know what I mean. This is a really unpleasant, uncomfortable sensation in your legs, and you get this irresistible urge to move them. Okay, and they typically occur later in the day, usually in the afternoon, evening, but particularly when you want to fall asleep at night. Uh, and that's when they're usually at their most severe. Uh, and by moving them, you relieve the uh, discomfort. So that's another diagnostic feature, is not only the discomfort and urge, but when you do move, you relieve it. Um, um, and I know about this because I have restless leg syndrome, um, and I can say I've lived the experience. You know, mine tends to happen when I will tended to happen when I was uh, running regularly, training for, say, marathons, and I would get restless leg syndromes at night. Um, since I've stopped running, I don't get restless leg syndrome very much. Um, and I also found that magnesium supplements helped mine as well as cramps. So this is why I think there's a little bit of an overlap uh, in a lot of these conditions. Uh, just for those of you who do exercise a lot, athletes, uh, restless leg syndrome is very common in athletes, particularly elite athletes. It's a, so I think it's got something to do with the recovery or the, the damage to the muscle that occurs with, with vigorous training. Now, restless leg syndrome is incredibly common in people with MS. I've just put one recent paper showing you that 30% of people with multiple sclerosis fulfill the diagnostic criteria for restless leg syndrome. Um, this is compared to less than 10% of the general population. Um, and the problem in MS is that it's another cause for insomnia. You know, if you can't fall asleep at night or you get frequent wakening, you are not getting good quality sleep. And then you wake up in the morning feeling terrible. You know, you haven't had a good night's sleep and you feel not refreshed and it makes fatigue worse. And the study shows you that it's associated with uh, daytime hypersomnolence or sleepiness and fatigue. So restless leg syndrome is a cause of MS-related fatigue. And so if you have restless leg syndrome, you should get it diagnosed properly and managed. Now, I try and ask all my patients when I do my follow-up consultations, time permitting, about their sleep pattern. And if they do describe uh, insomnia and frequent awakening, I go into it in more detail, including a, a questions around uh, restless leg syndrome. Now, I think 30% in my experience is a bit high. You know, um, I, you know, I would I would have estimated at about one in ten people with MS have restless syndrome or uh, restless leg syndrome, but I don't know for sure because uh, I don't actually use a validated screening tool in clinic, uh, so I may be wrong. Um, and the reason why I feel like this is because the other, what I call restless leg syndrome mimics, in my experience, are much more common. So that particularly spasticity and pain. Uh, anyway, I'll put up a little survey here. It'll take you about five minutes to complete uh, just to look at screening questionnaires that I found online and I would appreciate it if you got the time to spend five minutes completing it so we can better understand this problem or at least around uh, in relation to MSL for, uh, 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 readers. Now as you can expect that if you've got restless leg syndrome and you're not sleeping very well and you're waking up feeling terrible in the morning it has knock-on effects so it can affect your mood and how you function in the day so uh, you know it's been shown in other studies that people with restless leg syndrome often feel exhausted. They have daytime sleepiness, maybe even have to have frequent naps in the day. As a result, they have poor attention and concentration. It affects their memory. Um, they're not productive, so they feel they're not 
working as well as they should. Uh, and then that has an impact on their mood. So they get depression and anxiety. And so I'd be interested to know if any of you um, who have restless leg syndrome relate to this. Does this just feel like a realistic scenario? Um, there are some medical problems that need to be looked for. So we know that restless leg syndrome is very common in people with kidney dysfunction, or particularly end-stage renal failure on hemodialysis. And again, I have the lived experience. My father had chronic renal failure and was on dialysis for over 10 years. Then he had a transplant. And he had severe restless leg syndrome, even after his transplant, because his uh, renal function post-transplant was never back to normal. And he used to go crazy uh, with restless leg syndrome. Back then, when he had this condition, we didn't have the gabapentinoids. Uh, so, you know, he just suffered in silence, which is what a lot of people do with this condition. And we also find that in people with neuropathies, sleep deprivation from other causes. For example, people who've got sleep apnea, for example, get it. Uh, I've already mentioned the vigorous exercise. It happens in pregnancy. It's quite a common problem in pregnancy and also in the menopause. So it's associated with changes in estrogen and progesterone levels. Then it's also linked to alcohol misuse, nicotine, caffeine, uh, and other drugs like anti-emetics, antipsychotics, antidepressants, particularly serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And then we also find it more common in people who take, uh, you know, over-the-counter cold and allergy medications that that it, that contain old generation or early generation antihistamines. So, I mean, the reason why I'm saying this is because we just shouldn't assume that your restless leg syndrome is due to MS. You know, you need to be investigated and look for other causes. Um, so the biggest cause is iron deficiency. Uh, and so this is why if you do have restless leg syndrome, you need to see a healthcare professional. They need to take a good history, in my opinion, from you and do a neurological and general exam on you. And they often have to order bloods. The bloods are really needed to check your iron levels, make sure you're not iron deficient, and also to check your renal function, thyroid function, uh, and, and make sure you're not pregnant if you're a woman. Um, I'm saying that, though, but um, um, the restless leg syndrome of pregnancy tends to occur in the, in, the, in the later phases, third trimester, when women know they're pregnant. Um, and sometimes you need a sleep study because if you've got suggestion of sleep apnea, for example, you, ha you have to get your sleep disorder diagnosed. And then by treating your specific sleep disorder, your, your restless leg syndrome improves. Now, there are treatments for restless leg syndrome. <laughs> Um, obviously, you've got very mild disease. Moving your limbs may help, uh, and some people do that and, and they cope. Um, uh, but obviously, if you've got a secondary restless leg syndrome, in other words, you've got renal dysfunction, diabetes, peripheral neuropathy, iron deficiency, that needs to be managed. Now, um, my personal experience is you often test iron levels and are normal. Um, and, and I still give iron supplements, and some people find it works dramatically, oral iron supplements. But again, um, sometimes oral iron supplements don't work if you're if you've got normal iron levels because it, you don't absorb as much iron as you should do. And many neurologists, including myself, sometimes uh, give people uh, a trial of intravenous iron to see if it helps. And sometimes the response is dramatic. And we think the reason for this is is because there's iron deficiency within the central nervous system, and we don't check that. Uh, I mean, there are studies showing you that people with restless leg syndrome, when you do a lumbar puncture, then look for iron levels in their spinal fluid, they're very low. Uh, and so the idea of bypassing oral absorption and giving uh, a, a trial of intravenous is to try and uh, uh, address that issue of not measuring central nervous system iron. And, you know, from my own personal experience, the response to iron when it is 
the reason for it is can be very dramatic. <clears throat> Obviously, uh, uh, medication is sometimes needed, particularly if you've got moderate or severe. And I go now first line to the gabapentinoids. I use gabapentin or pregabalin, and they usually do the trick. And there are still some neurologists that use dopamine agonists, the ones that are licensed are rapinarol, premipexol, and radigatine, and there's also patches of these agents. Um, however, when you start using dopamine agonists, you get this augmentation where you have to increase the dose, increase the dose to, to control the symptoms, and the con underlying condition gets worse, and it gets very difficult to get people off the drugs. And these drugs aren't without side effects, and uh, you know there are complications associated with long-term dopamine agonists. So I've really stopped using them. Uh, I often get patients referred to me that are still on them, and it's very difficult to get them off dopamine agonists. Now, if the gabapentinoids fail, you can use opioids. Um, and the best opioid to use is methadone, which is a partial agonist and has got the least uh, risk of addiction. Uh, and so, um, you know, if you are going to be prescribed an opioid, I, uh, hopefully you should push for a methadone. Um, you know, most neurologists and doctors are quite resistant nowadays to prescribe opioids, but this is one condition where uh, it's indicated and it can transform your life. And obviously, if you've got a comorbidity like spasticity, then, I, I, you know, benzodiazepines, in my experience, help. I tend to use clonazepam, anything from 0.25 to 2 milligrams a day, and sometimes even higher than that. I've had some patients requiring 4 milligrams a day. The problem with benzodiazepines, be it clonazepam, diazepam, or even lorazepam, is you get this condition called tachyphylaxis. In other words, your body gets used to the, the effects, and then you have to increase the dose. Uh, and you're probably aware that benzodiazepines are addictive, you know, you, physical and psychological addiction to them. Uh, and so you can't just stop them because you get a, what I call a benzodiazepine withdrawal reaction. So if you are on benzodiazepines, be it for restless leg syndrome, spasticity or whatever, and you want to come off them, they have to be weaned very slowly. I'm talking about over months. So you prevent this withdrawal reaction. <clears throat> And then if you go online and look at the various uh, websites that are dictate that are dedicated to restless leg syndrome, there are, there are some lifestyle changes or activities you can try. You know, try and avoid uh, excessive alcohol, nicotine, and caffeine. Easier said than done. Uh, try and change or maintain a regular sleep pattern rather than having intermittent sleep patterns. Uh, try moderate or regular exercise rather than intermittent vigorous exercise if exercise is the cause of your restless leg syndrome. Uh, massage the legs, try warm bars. There are some, some people report heat packs or ice packs help. Um, there are some specific foot wraps that are specifically designed for people with restless leg syndrome. You can see them online. Some people find vibration pads, TENS machines uh, that you attach to the back of the legs help. Um, there's even vibration, um, you know, these vibration devices that uh, that are used for preventing DVTs can be tried. I mean, these are all things that I read about online, but I've never actually prescribed them. Um, uh, and then uh, the one thing I've added to this list is magnesium supplements because I think everybody who has restless leg syndrome should try uh, magnesium supplements because they're easy to do yourself uh, and they may work. <clears throat> and that's from my own personal experience. Anyway, I've left it open for you. Um, it, um, a lot of you will have this condition and I want to know if I've left anything out. Uh, and I, I assume some of you would have worked out 
something different what I've told you. Uh, so if you do have some personal experiences or things that I haven't discussed, please uh, put them into the chat function on the website so we can learn from you. And so I would like to thank you there. And uh, uh, as, you know, as you know, I'm always nudging you if you can afford to and you find MSL helpful to uh, become a paying subscriber so we can actually uh, use the uh, income from the subscriptions uh, to support and maintain our uh, microsite. Uh, uh, thank you.